You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 23 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager. It is James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Not too bad, Ian. Very cold, though. How about yourself? It is rather chilly, isn't it? Do I was just thinking before we sort of started doing this, do we want to be quintessentially British and have a conversation about the weather? Um, but we probably don't. I think the, the world at the moment is depressing enough without talking about how, how cold it is out there. So let's move to, let's move to more light-hearted matters. And how's your diet coming on? Yeah, not too bad. Blonde along, my weight's steadily going down. I try not to weigh, I used to weigh myself every day. Oh my. Uh, but then you'd, yeah, like every morning, but then you would stay the same or go up a little bit and you feel it would ruin the rest of your day. So I'm just weighing myself on a Monday morning now, which I'm unsure of is a good day to do it because weekends you kind of fall off the wagon sometimes. But we've been quite <laughs> strict and uh, we're doing all right at the moment. How about yourself? Well, it was weighing day in the Knockholds household on Sunday. Ooh. And, uh, you know, this was a sort of a much-anticipated um, occasion. I, of course, am doing the uh, the Joe Wicks granola for breakfast um, uh, diet uh, with 25 uh, minutes of exercise five times a week. And um, I am I'm pleased to report that my body shape has changed. My weight hasn't. I, I don't appear to weigh I, – I, I think I weigh slightly less. And when I say slightly, I mean, you know, we're talking fractionally here. But actually, the the, the, the measurements that Mrs. Knockholds took on Sunday morning would suggest that my body is changing shape, um, which I'm rather pleased about because I've actually noticed a difference um, in my level of fitness having done these these exercises. You know, 25 minutes of exercise with Mr. Wicks. And, um, you know, we're doing it five times a week. I've stuck to it. And and actually, I am feeling the benefit so much so that I am wondering whether, you know, when we come out of lockdown, is it too late for me to make my Western League debut, do you think? I was just about to say, maybe Devizes could need a striker, knock olds up front, fake number nine, maybe. <laughs> I think very, yeah, very much so. I wouldn't, I don't think Devizes would thank you for that. I think that perhaps they need to bring in some some proven talent to sort of bring them away from the foot of the table. Never know. But I, you, I, know. you know, I'd like a five minute cameo. I mean, if you know, I'd like to wish you a come and get me plea. You know, maybe there's somebody out there prepared to take a a punt on me. You know, if I can keep this up, that could be all the motivation I need. Yeah. Um, if the chairman at Doncaster could get on, remember when he he come on in the last minute of a football league fixture once i think last game of the season he'd come on for two minutes maybe you could work up to that well i would i would i would greatly appreciate the opportunity to do that and i'm sure that's a theme that we will return to um in uh, in future podcasts but anyway uh, on uh, this week's podcast we speak to warminster town's own owen bartley of course he is the brains behind their excellent camp fundraising campaign to support their local food bank and we also hear from uh, bob buckingham the chairman of um of bridgewater town football club and again um i'm sure many of the listeners will have seen the uh, the the excellent fundraising activities that they've been doing um uh, to raise money for some local charities in their area but of course bob buckingham we couldn't get on the chairman of bridgewater without talking about the equally exciting activities that are going on off the pitch and there will be of course the other usual features um, james healy's week on twitter uh, which is much much anticipated but before we kick off with that we're going to have a chat with with owen bartley he's a player a first team player at warminster town football club and he is the brains behind their excellent campaign 
um, to raise money for their for their food bank, which involves him and his colleagues, his playing colleagues, running the equivalent distance uh, of going from Weymouth Street, the home of Warminster Town, to the new camp, the Camp New, the home of Barcelona. Anyway, I started my conversation with Owen by asking him where the idea to, su- to support his local food bank came from. Um, I wanted to sort of get in, involved with a charity that was um, affected by, obviously, the pandemic. Um, so I got in touch with the Warminster Food Bank and they sort of told me a few statistics on who they reach out to and the percentage of the increase um, because of the pandemic, which was they they've had to um, increase their their food productions by about 39 percent to try and get to to the families and and stuff like that so I wanted to sort of sort of use um, Warminster and sort of get that collective feel and yeah that's that's sort of the the main reason for for choosing the food bank and the uh, the vehicle through which you're you're raising money the, um, is 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 running the equivalent distance from Warminster to Barcelona. Now, yeah. now, why did you choose Barcelona? So we wanted to obviously keep it football um, related. Um, so we had we had a little look at sort of um, football stadiums in and around Europe, but we wanted to make it challenging. So we thought if if we that's about a thousand miles from from Weymouth Street to Barcelona. So we thought if if we make it more challenging, people are more likely to, to sort of get involved and sort of donate to obviously the good cause that we're running for. Yeah, well, what Weymouth Street to Fratton Park probably doesn't have quite the same ring about it, does it? But, no, it doesn't, no. <laughs> you'd have captured my imagination anyway. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, so the important question is, how far have you got? Yeah, so as of this morning, uh, we are 406 miles in which is obviously really, really good considering we started on Monday. So it's not even a week yet. We've got people running plus 30 miles individually already. So it's, it's going really well, to be fair. And how many people collectively are, are running towards this target? Um, we've got 47 runners at the minute. Um, so that's that includes first team, reserve team and ladies team. So like, it's a real collective um, sort of... A run really yeah and is it just the players or have you managed to rope some of the volunteers and supporters actually, in as well we've actually managed to get a few of the uh the coaches and physios involved so i'm hoping that uh andy will get at least one run in before the end of the month what about the chairman uh no i don't think the chairman's <laughs> going to get involved <laughs> <laughs> um uh, so how much money have you raised so far so again as of this morning we're on I set a target of around £500. We're on £405 at the minute. Oh, that's fantastic. So we've, we've nearly reached our sort of goal. Um, when I spoke to the food bank, they, they sort of told me that they top up um, every month about £400 to sort of get all that food out to all the people that need it. So obviously, yeah. the more we can raise, the more that can sort of help them achieve that each month, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a fantastic, you know, it's a fantastic target. I think you've done really well to tie it not only into a local charity, but also, a, you know, a local deliverable, because, you know, for every £400 you raise, if that's going to make a, a real difference to them on a monthly basis, you can really see that, you know, the good that you're that you're having. I mean, how long have you given yourselves to to run this distance and to raise this money? Yeah, so what we've done is we've, we've started on the 1st of Feb and we're just going to go all the way up until the end of the month, so... Obviously, the 28 days in, in the month, um, we'll, we'll try and smash that target. And if we do end up 
sort of getting to the 1,000 mile mark. We'll just keep going until the end of the month and see maybe the, the next football stadium that we can run to that's closest to sort of the camp now. Well, I suppose if you were feeling really uh, uh, brave, you could, uh, you could go to the Bernabeu. I don't know how far that is from the camp, to be fair. So. No, well, I mean, we don't want to stop you either. So, uh, you know, you keep you keep going. You know, you might um, you might end up in um, uh, in South Africa by the time you've uh, you've you've finished. Um, so, I mean, that you know, there's some pretty big stadiums down there. Um, now, um, let, let's have a little chat about uh, uh, you know about the, the current sort of you know the current climate that we that we're in because clearly you're raising money for the food bank because you know, of the impact of the, of the pandemic, but I mean, and obviously you're keeping fit um, because that's, um, you know, that's, that's an important thing for, for, for you and your, you know, your teammates um, to do. But I mean, how have you been finding the lockdown? Has it been, you know, has it been a strain um, and without having football to play? Yeah, I think massively. Um, I found this lockdown probably the hardest of the three, if I'm honest, obviously there's sort of no end goal at the minute. So it's a bit, it is a bit difficult. That's one of the main reasons why I wanted to sort of set this up. So it gives not just myself, but everyone else sort of a goal to achieve. It's not just, it's not just running for the sake of it. It's actually doing it for a good cause. And yeah, hopefully that, that sort of keeps everyone motivated within the club and keeps myself motivated. Definitely. Cause I want to be definitely top three on that leaderboard by the end of the month. <laughs> I mean, the, Obviously, this is a collective um, effort, so um, that's important, I suppose. Without, you know, I mean, we can't see we can't see friends at the moment. We can't see family members at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, the opportunity for you to, to you know, you, you, have, uh, you know, it's difficult that you can't see your teammates at the moment. But is this is this yeah. something that's designed to keep that togetherness? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, so we've got the group Strava where all the um, the runs sort of get uploaded to. Uh, so it's keeping that sort of mentality to be I want to be top of the whole group do you know what I mean so it's keeping me motivated to to get out there and run and I want to make sure personally I want to make sure that no one beats me in the first team so that's the sort of mentality I've got I've got with it and it's obviously people are posting runs into the group chat and it's it's keeping sort of the the banter the togetherness all sort of flying around and everyone's taking the mix saying are you walking that not is that is that, is that sort of pace <laughs> A walking pace, etc. So, yeah, it's, it's really good to be honest. In terms of your your you know you playing this season, I mean, have you had any concerns about catching the virus or or passing it on to anybody from football? Strangely, no. I feel like I don't know if it's because you obviously everyone enjoys playing football, so you sort of maybe forget about what's going on. Or, but I think as well, a lot of the clubs have sort of implemented good um, sort of guidelines within each well every ground we've been to we we've we felt safe so it's obviously masks and a certain amount in the changing rooms and um all that stuff so i've never felt as in i would catch the virus sort of on a saturday playing uh, i've always felt safe at any ground we've been to and and especially at warminster um how long have you been playing at warminster town so i only joined the um the first team this season um but i've i've all always played for sort of Highbury, which is the youth setup at Warminster. Um, I've had a few um, serious knee injuries, so I've not played for a few years, but um, yeah, I only joined this season. Uh, well, what, uh, not a bad season um, to join. I mean, you were six after 11 games, so things were going very well uh, on, the on the pitch. I mean, were you surprised by how well you'd started this season? Um, I'd say we weirdly no, because obviously through pre-season, 
we were doing a couple of sessions a week and sort of we had really good numbers and everyone was turning up um we were smashing the sessions smashing the running so we wanted to go into that first game of the season with like sort of belief that we could gain promotion and obviously i think we started the season with a 3-1 win to radstock which was which obviously just sort of give us a lot of um, belief to go into the season and we just kept winning games really and it was, it was really good to be a part of yeah, certainly a great buzz every time I've been to um, to Weymouth Street. So, um, you know, on and off the pitch, um, yeah, you know, definitely. the club feels like it's going in the right direction. I mean, when we look around um, uh, Wiltshire at the moment, there's, you know, particularly in the first division, we see the likes of Khan and Corsham doing really well. Do, do you think that there's, uh, there's always going to be local rivalry, but do you think to see those sides doing so well has encouraged... Um, you know, you and your colleagues to sort of raise the bar a bit, to, to, to aim a little bit higher because, you know, those local bragging rights are important. Yeah, definitely. And we obviously want to be within that premiership as well. So it's, it would, it would, I would say it would definitely have raised our game to, to sort of, we obviously played Carl and Corsham towards the end of sort of when, when the league got stopped and they were two really close competitive games. So obviously we're not a million miles away from that sort of level with, the players we've got so yeah I would say definitely it has raised our game excellent um, now just before I let you go Owen perhaps the most important question of all is how can the listeners support your campaign to raise money for the Warminster Food Bank yeah so what we've done is we we've set up a, a GoFundMe page um, which you can find in various locations sort of um, you can find it on the the Instagram page the Facebook page or the website um, there's just a link that you can click and it will take you straight to the, uh, the donation page. And like I say, anything that anyone feels that they can donate, especially during these difficult times, would be obviously greatly appreciated by the food bank and, and us running. And my thanks um, to Owen uh, for his time. Uh, absolutely excellent um, fundraising um, idea then uh, from him. And of course, you will have heard me get in that um uh, that reference to um, to Fratton Park, the home of Portsmouth Football Club, my hometown team, and um, I was thinking, Jim, you know, as an incentive to any of the uh, uh, any of the Warminster Town players to sort of you know increase the number of miles that they're individually doing as they're sort of working up to this um, to this total, uh, I believe that none of them have managed to go um, 62 miles. The first player to go to 62 miles gets a picture of Fratton Park. Do you think that's all the incentive they need? I think it is, mate, yeah. But what more could you want? Well, I wondered, actually, I, I've been online and I've seen how much pictures of Fratton Park cost. And I think, you know, I have to sort of recognise that perhaps, you know, my, my love for Portsmouth Football Club might not be shared, might not be universal in the, uh, in the, in the you know, in the changing rooms of Warminster Town. Um, so perhaps they get a choice. They can either get a picture of Fratton Park from me, um, you know, when we get back playing again, when I can get back down to Weymouth Street, they get a picture. I'll present the uh, the first player who gets to 62 miles with a picture of Fratton Park, or I'll give the cash equivalent to the food bank. What do you think? That is a great shout. I was just about to say I could do the same because being a Yeovil Town fan, it's uh, 31.1 miles from Warminster to Yeovil. So if anyone reaches that, maybe uh, I could do a photo of uh, Hewish Park for them. I mean, that's even more of an incentive, that is. Well, there we go. We're, we're, we're really... Um, you know, we're living La Vida lockdown at the moment. We're coming out with all the good ideas. This is, you know, we're workshopping as we as we broadcast here. Um, and uh, well, well, with that in mind, let's move swiftly on to James Healy's week on Twitter. Yeah, it's a bit busier this week. Uh, last week we didn't have much, so we were going to introduce some fake news. 
Um, thankfully, we haven't had to do that this week. So uh, I'll be mentioned there with Owen with the uh, Warminster, we're covering the distance from Warminster to Barcelona as we're recording. They're, they're just over £400 now donated. So just shy of £100 short of their uh, £500 target, which would uh, be fantastic to see them reach that. So uh, have a look on Twitter, everybody, and uh, get donating for the Warminster Food Bank. It's, uh, it's a great cause that they're doing, that's for sure. And um, Roland Millwood's pretty relentless in tweeting the link every day, isn't he? So, I he mean, is. you really, it's very easy to find the, the link to that GoFundMe page thanks to the efforts of um, of Roland. So, yeah, well worth looking them up on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. You can't miss it. Um, one thing that stood out for me this week was Bristol uh, Telephones and their new new changing room. What they've done in there, just it looks, uh, looks so special in there. Now, all the lighting, the blue lighting and their new kit all laid out. Um, so they've used the uh, the lockdown well by the looks of things and upgraded their uh, their changing rooms. And I see also on Twitter, Exmouth uh, have been doing a lot of uh, ground renovations. Um, so if you're interested in seeing what they've been doing, uh, look them both up on Twitter. See the Bristol Telephones changing rooms, their new new ones uh, look very nice indeed. I bet the players can't wait to get back in and uh, change in there. What what about the away dressing room then? Do you think that's had as much TLC? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably painted black. When I used to play cricket, we had our away dressing room painted black. So it was uh, it was all mind games, even in local cricket. It was, it was very strange. The murky world of local cricket. Yeah, let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> another one was uh, Radstock. Over the weekend, they uh, completed their runs for uh, Nathan Truman. and So they covered, I think, 220 miles over the weekend. Uh, just an incredible feat from a ball. And, uh, yeah, they've um, they've raised a bit of money for Nathan, whose target now, when I looked this morning, was oh, he's now reached over 30,000. So a uh, phenomenal amount, really, in all going to, to great causes after your interview last week as well. So it's, uh, listening to that, it was uh, very moving listening to him. Uh, what a bloke, fair play to him. And I mean, Radstock doing their bit there, to, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate Paul's head is, you know, and we, I know we've obviously tried to sort of promote what, you know, the, the, the very difficult situation Nathan's in with his, with his illness. But actually, you know, when you see other clubs chipping in, you know, it's that drip drip effect, isn't it? We, 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 we don't want to forget about this campaign. It's a very important campaign. And, um, you know, it's great to see Radstock sort of helping out in that way as well to keep it on the top of our attention cycle. Yeah, indeed. Other clubs have made donations and not necessarily doing runs and things like that. I see my club, Sherbourne, as well, donated to it. And it's just nice to see all clubs uniting and yeah, and all working together to, to raise funds. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just nice to see all rivals on the field. But off it, everyone's uh, best of mates, it seems, is uh, is really good to see. It's really yeah. good. Uh, another one is a bit away from the tall station league, but I don't know if you saw uh, Sean Dice's press conference where he said that he was getting bored with all the all the questions so uh, they went off on a tangent about talk about lookalikes I did I did that uh, I thought I thought it was brilliant so I thought maybe we could try and do something to see if clubs have got any lookalikes that they could uh, tweet us with lookalikes that they've got in their clubs and we can uh, we can have a look to see what they're like I mean you, you, I know you're a cricket fan Jim have you ever played lookalike cricket no well, this is a game that I've shamelessly robbed off of TalkSport. I, I very much enjoyed listening to it uh, on the Hawksby and Jacob show. And so much so that I suggested to my wife that we play it. And um, basically, the, the, the quality of the lookalike defines how many runs you get. Brilliant. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the, uh, personally speaking, that's, that's, that's the way I'd take it. But to be fair to Sean Dyche, I don't want to take anything away from that, that sort of monologue that he did. I mean, I don't know how the press officer would have felt at the time. I don't think that there's, there's a manager in the Premier League who shows greater humanity than, than Sean Dyche. No, I mean, I've sat in on a few press conferences and you get the same questions every week. So you can see why he was getting a little bit fed up. And uh, I can imagine Darren, the Burnley press officer, who I know as well, sat behind the camera at the start thinking, oh, no, but he let <laughs> it fold out. And it's it's got them some really good coverage, to be fair. So it's, uh, like I say, if we could get maybe clubs tweeting us with their uh, their lookalikes, either players or board members, let's see, let's see who they all look like. Well, let's kick things off then, Jim. I mean, have you ever been, is there a lookalike that your friends often sort of, you know, say that you look like? Yeah, I once went running, believe it or not. And I, <laughs> it was absolutely hammering down with rain. And I took a selfie when I got back in, uploaded it, and a few of my mates jumped on saying I look like John Parkin. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it's a size thing or what, I don't know. Um, and then when I was working at Yeovil, he come down because he was scouting, I think, for someone. And he was in the reception. I was like, I can't miss this opportunity. So I've got a selfie of me, me and him. And I explained the story. And he said, I'm not that ugly, am I? Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Oh, yeah. that's harsh. Well, um, my friends um, think that I look like Quentin Tarantino. But mm-hmm. I suppose sort of like a mini-me version of Quentin Tarantino. In fact, I know G- Jim's sort of looking painfully at me through, through Skype as we're recording this. But if I turn my head to the side so you get the profile... Does that? Yeah. Give you, yeah, yeah. That's more. I think that's where it comes from. I think it's my my ridiculous overpronounced jawline. I mean, not that he's got that. Don't sue me for God's sake. I'm you're a wonderful director, and I'm happy to look like you, but a much smaller version of you. I've just um, googled, and actually, yeah, they've got a point. To be fair. Well, I yeah. I, anyway, this is. I think a lot of fun can be had on social media with this. I'm sure. Um, but we probably need to, we need to move away from lookalikes. And um and uh, what have you got next for us in the world on uh, in, in the week on Twitter? Yeah, my last one is. The uh, Bridgewater and Yeovil United uh, who have now smashed their £10,000 target from running the marathon in 24 hours. I think you had 60 players and staff members uh, from the two clubs taking part in running the marathon through the day. And, uh, yeah, it was quite an achievement that. I mean, they covered it really well on social media with updates. And uh, Jamie Sherwood, who's the Yeovil, Yeovil United ladies uh, head coach, I was I follow him on Twitter and he was doing regular updates and obviously Bob Buckingham, the chairman at Bridgewater, he took part in it and I've done the London Marathon myself so I can appreciate how far it is and how painful it is. I mean, I had months of training. I mean, these guys, I think they only set, didn't set up that long ago. So to to complete it all is, uh, is a great achievement. So yeah, fair play to them. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want to help enhance a save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Um, anyway, that was a wonderful segue, uh, Jim, um, into our next interview, which is, of course, with Bob Buckingham, um, the chairman of Bridgewater Town. Now, of course, regular listeners will know we spoke to Debbie Gould a couple of weeks ago um, on the podcast, and Debbie is the COVID officer 
at um, at Bridgewater Town, but she's also a, a, an exceptional um, a photographer. And that was really the thrust of our interview on that occasion. But I thought it was worth getting Bob on now, not just to talk about the excellent fundraising they're doing, but also, of course, the very interesting times that we're living in, or that certainly Bridgewater Town are living in um, at the moment. So we did start off with that um, uh, with, with with that fundraising that we've just been hearing about from James. And, um, well, Bob ran a marathon on Saturday, and I started off by asking him why on earth he wanted to do something like that. Uh, need to be a bit careful about the the uh, the run part. Um, <laughs> there were certainly many people taking part in a in a marathon. In fact, sixty people uh, representing both Bridgewater Town and Yeovil United Ladies uh, Club. I put my hand up in a in a moment of my wife says madness, uh, and I was inclined to agree to say I would take part. And my objective was to to get the twenty six miles and twenty six point two miles done. Um, and being realistic, um, given that the notice period was about three and a half weeks, I was always going to walk it. But uh, walk it, I did. <laughs> well, 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 perhaps we'll come on to how you're feeling today in a minute. But I mean, you were you were the, the exercise was done um, under the United for Bridgewater banner. I know this is a campaign that the club have been promoting um, on social media and in the and in the press. Can you tell us a little bit about what United for Bridgewater is all about? Yes, absolutely. Both clubs uh, during this um, lockdown period, um, extended lockdown period, all the players from both clubs have um, extensive personal training programmes and dietary programmes, which they have to report on uh, weekly. They're undertaking those things very successfully. Um, it was suggested that during this so-called quiet period, an additional challenge might be uh, appropriate. Uh, so in a, in a, Zoom meeting, uh, our chief executive, Adam Murray, uh, threw in uh, the fact that it wouldn't it be a good idea if we raise some money for the local community, given that we're very much community focused clubs. Um, and we set a target of raising £10,000 as a result of all of us completing marathons on, well, last Saturday, um, which was three and a half weeks ago, the, that first indication that um, we would do it. Everybody put their hands up, <laughs> or, or at least it was assumed they did, um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we did. And we we chose some local charities: the Bridgewater Food Bank, um, uh, Brainwave, um, who are concerned with uh, uh, child development, based in Bridgewater, long established, and the Shoebox um, uh, Appeal, uh, who provide funds and. Um, uh, means to support those in most in need. Uh, so it was very much uh, aligned to our uh, community values and also to uh, enhance fitness. Now, <laughs> whether it actually did enhance fitness is another story. And if um, anyone's interested, have a look on our Facebook pages and comments from players and uh, you will see that uh, <laughs> it was certainly challenging. Uh, one of our players, um, who's a bit of a runner, um, said, no, I'm not just doing one, I'm doing two. And that was uh, Tyne Govia, who's um, been around the club for some time, so uh, which is pretty amazing. So, uh, did he do it? Yeah, he did. Yeah, oh yeah back to back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah he, raised, he raised some money for, um, also for Anthony Nolan Trust, which is uh, um, a charity very close to um, our family's hearts. So, um, yeah, very grateful. Well, that's a fantastic effort. I mean, you mentioned the target there that you were aiming for ten thousand pounds. Dare I ask, how close are you? 
Yeah, we're very close. Um, I think when we started on Saturday morning, we were up to around the £5,000 mark. Uh, it's changing all the time. Uh, I've just checked before we spoke and we're up to uh, approaching 9,300. So we're only 700 short and donations are still coming in now. And we hope that they will continue to come in for uh, several days more. Uh, but we're very, very optimistic that we will uh, smash through that uh, 10,000 target, uh, which is extremely pleasing. Well, well, I certainly hope that people listening to this podcast will be prepared to put their hands in their pocket to support what you're doing for your local community. I think it's a fantastic exercise. I mean, for anybody who does want to um, donate, what's what's the easiest way? What's the best way, Bob, that they can they can they can give you some money? Just just look for Bridgewater Town uh, uh, Football Club or Yeovil United Football Club on all the social media platforms: the uh, Facebook, on our Twitter feed, on Instagram. Uh, or have a look at our respective websites and there's a link to our Just Giving page. Uh, it's very simple to do. And I would emphasize that we know that um, times are really tough um, and there's lots of deserving causes out there, but a donation, no matter how small, will, um, will make a real difference. Bridgewater Town have been one of the interesting stories um, in the Western League over the the course of the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, you know, dare I dare I quote Charles Dickens, but it's been the best of times. It's been the worst of times. Um, obviously, we've all suffered from the lack of football and currently in lockdown, you know, we, we, we're in another period of um, hibernation. But um, that hasn't stopped you really getting things going at Bridgewater Town Football Club. I'm, I'm sure many people across the Western League will have seen the, 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 the press releases, but I mean, it's, it's been a really interesting time of development for you, isn't it? Yes, it certainly has, Ian. Um, it's always interesting at Bridgewater. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, I've been involved with the club for um, almost exactly five years and been a fan for a lot, years, a lot more years than that. And there's lots of stuff out in the public domain. Um, Going back perhaps uh, 15 months or so ago, um, I had the privilege of uh, talking with Adam Murray. Um, now, some, some of your listeners will know, most of your listeners will know that Adam Murray was the, um, uh, the guy behind the, the, the rise from uh, almost um, oblivion of AFC Bournemouth uh, when they were a long way adrift in um, uh, Division 2 and... Uh, uh, 16 points deduction or something like that and real tough and he was the guy that had faith in um, Eddie Howe and the rest is history as um, as they say. Um, Adam uh, was able to rescue what was local Yeovil ladies um, when they were in real trouble and the educational partnership of that club was Bridgewater and Taunton College who are also our partners as, as many will know. So there was some synergy and um, uh, Adam was involved in um, uh, an academy in Tampa, in Florida, and then made a decision to um, um, end his interest there, or his involvement, direct involvement there, and was um, keen to talk to us about opportunities that might exist to um, push forward, and uh, to wish to uh, engage with us was uh, compromised a bit by lockdown one and all the ramifications of that. But in the early part of the summer, he and I um, met to talk about how we could um, potentially work together. He then met our executive committee and uh, decided that um, his involvement would be extremely beneficial. And uh, we've uh, now changed ourselves around uh, to be a limited company 
the exec committee and the rest of the committee members have stayed in place, but with me moving up from vice chairman to chairman and Adam Murray becoming our chief executive. Very quickly, we've moved to um, talk to Sedgemoor District Council, our landlords, who were kind enough to uh, help us uh, obtain a new 30-year lease on Fairfax Park uh, about a year ago. But what we were keen to do with Adam's help is to investigate the opportunity to purchase the ground. Uh, and uh, we've had tremendous support from, from Sedgemoor. And I'm pleased to say that um, we've agreed a deal for that purchase to go ahead um, as a forerunner of um, substantial further um, ground developments that we have planned. I can't tell you much more about that yet, um, simply because um, uh, those plans are not uh, finalised at this moment. Um, but I do absolutely want to give credit to um, Sedgemore District Council, who could not have been more helpful. The next test, of course, is do we get the planning permission and building consents that we need in order to do those things and the, the funding, of course, that we'll need to uh, be able to secure those, um, those developments. Um, many of our facilities are outmoded. Um, we moved to Fairfax Park from the old Castlefield ground in 1984 and uh, porter cabins and, and the like for those that have been to the ground um, have well, just about done their time. In fact, some would say they did their time about 10 or 15 years ago. But uh, uh, it's, uh, it's been challenging over the last uh, five years to, to hold it all together. Fabric to uh, fabric of the, um, uh, the buildings hold that together. It's um, not, not been easy, but um, uh, exciting times. We've also announced uh, that we intend uh, to launch uh, an academy uh, for age groups from under eight through to and including under 18s and potentially a development team uh, under 23 level. Um, we, we put invitations out there um, to inquire, potentially join when we launch in May and the response has been absolutely overwhelming. It really has. So much, much, uh, much in the way of positive um, feedback and, and news. So, um, we're pretty excited and, and we've got uh, a number of other developments to announce um, uh, which uh, will be out in the public domain in the coming weeks and months. Well, we, we certainly look, look look forward to hearing those and I think everybody at the club should be congratulated for, you know, as you say, sort of holding things together. It is the, it's the tale of our of football at our level uh, of the pyramid. I think that, you know, we, we, we shouldn't underestimate the, the hard work that the custodians of our of our clubs, you know, just to keep things rolling on and um you know obviously the situation you're in is is very exciting particularly with what you've explained off the field but let's talk about it on the field i mean you're the chairman of the football club what are your ambitions for the team in the, in the next few years well our immediate ambition is to get playing again as i'm sure um most well i can't speak for everyone but most people will be keen in some way for the season to finish um being realistic we know that that might be in doubt we um, are particularly keen that the FA should sanction the um, continuation of the FA bars, uh, given that we managed um, by hook or by crook to get past Brinscombe and Thrupp the other day. Well, it was more than the other day, the end just after Christmas, um, uh, to find ourselves in the fourth round for the first time, uh, only the second time ever. And we have a home draw and we don't get many of those. So, um, 
uh, we're hoping that Tavistock would agree to that. Uh, and we've also got Tavistock to play in last year's um, Les Phillips Cup um, that was carried forward. And that's a home draw as well. So um, we would desperately want for that, uh, the FA bars in particular, to continue um, if, if the situation was uh, sensible enough to allow that to happen. In terms of the future, um, well, uh, as you say, off the field, yes, lots of things going on on the field. Um, we will certainly be uh, extremely ambitious going forward and would love to uh, push on and be challenging for um, uh, a promotion place in the new season and, and then repeat that the following season and so on. Um, we believe that uh, the potential in our town is um, extremely high in terms of support, in terms of interest. We are behind Parkway, just behind Parkway in terms of um, uh, the level of support. So we're averaging between 230 and 250, or we were, it seems like a long time ago since we've had fans in the ground um, at that, that number. Uh, but we believe that the potential is uh, very substantial and there is no reason why we couldn't, obviously depending on the uh, success on the pitch, uh, why we can't double our average attendance. Um, the, the town is growing very rapidly with the um, construction of uh, Hinkley Point 3 um, um, or HPC. Um, and there's a huge development just off the M5 at uh, Puritan, the gravity development, uh, which will uh, attract a huge amount of uh, inward investment. And um, the retained workforce apparently will be greater there than the, um, uh, the workforce at Hinkley Point when it's finished. So lots of potential. It, it's a it's a very exciting time, I think, certainly in the in the short term um, for, for for Western League watchers, because I mean you mentioned Parkway there, and of course they have been the standout side in the last couple of seasons. You know, I mean, um, really only coronavirus uh, has sort of derailed their their push for promotion. But to be fair, they've been joined by some, you know, very big hitters um, from the Peninsula League in Exmouth and in Tavistock. I mean, you've I know you've been involved. You mentioned in the with the club for you know for the last five years. I mean, can you remember? Uh, a time, certainly in recent memory, when the Tool Station Western League has been as strong as it is today? Absolutely, not in recent memory. Um, uh, it, the, the standard is uh, exceptionally high. It, and, and that's not just me talking. Um, our joint managers, Carl Bagley and Dave Pierce, have been around the Western League for a long time, both as players and, and as managers, and they would confirm those thoughts that um, the top, certainly the top half of the Western League um, are, is extremely strong, extremely strong. And, and no one in that league is to be underestimated as we found to our cost. Not that I, I'd like to think that we've never underestimated teams, but um, um, there have been some tough battles out there, really tough. Um, I mean, just one final question before we go, um, Bob, because, um, I mean, we've, we've sort of talked about the, um, you know, the coronavirus um, uh, hiatus. And, um, I mean, looking ahead to what we hope will be, in, uh, you know, a, a, another season, whenever that comes, I mean, do you think that there are any lessons that you would like to see the Football Association learn in terms of the way that we prepare for another season, just in case, um, you know, we are affected by sort of another variant of the of the virus or a, um, um, you know, or uh, the impact of another bad winter? Yes, um, it's not been easy for anyone. Um, 
the um, I know you spoke um, a couple of weeks ago to Debbie Gould, our photographer and um, COVID nineteen officer. It's been it's been really tricky to make sure we were adequately prepared uh, to ensure that we were aligned with government guidelines. Uh, we've done that and we've done it very happily. Um, as the pandemic continued, um, that challenge was extremely uh, tough. It really was, and we sensed that increasingly there was a nervousness about attending games. It's very, very difficult to be, well, I've no intention of being critical of the, the guidelines from the FA uh, um, and, and certainly not from the Western League. They've been extremely supportive. Um, we just hope that there will be a, a, a time where we get to the spring and early summer and thing, and, and with the rollout of the vaccine um, going on at a pace, uh, we hope that it will be safe for um, people to um, return to football. And we're also hoping that um, uh, the absence of football for such a long period of time uh, will increase the level of interest at, uh, at our level um, and, and at all levels of non-league football. Excellent, Bob. Um, just before you go, one last time, for anybody listening to this interview who still wants to support your efforts, uh, United for Bridgewater, um, where, can they, where can they do that? Right. Um, the look for us on social media. Uh, so on our Facebook page, on our Twitter feed, which is very active, uh, on uh, Instagram and on our websites for both Bridgewater Town Football Club and Yeovil United. And my thanks to Bob for his time. Um, excellent stuff. Now, Jim, just before we go, um, uh, we have got a few um, unsung heroes lined up, haven't we? We've still got those coming in. We've had quite a few come in lately, so we've we've planned what we've had in for the next few uh, next few weeks. Uh, but again, there's still a few clubs that haven't submitted any of their unsung heroes, and we're sure every every club's got one, one or two. Um, so yeah, feel free to uh, send in your nominations to us, and we will uh, create the graphic and upload it to our Twitter and all of our social media feeds and the uh, Toolstation League website. Now we we'll, we we'll, we'll give a little bit of podcast magic away now because james and i are recording this on tuesday so james to, just to give the the podcast listeners an exclusive which clubs i don't want you giving away names but which clubs have we got lined up this week so who's going to be our unsung hero on wednesday and on on saturday because we're trying to pair it with what would be a match day aren't we in the in the tool station western league yeah so we've got uh as an exclusive we've got Carn town coming tomorrow or today, it depends when we upload the podcast, but on Wednesday will be calm time. <laughs> and then uh and then on Saturday we've got uh Radstock is uh is on Saturday. So keep an eye out for those two. And like I said, we've got a, a, a the list is coming together nicely, but we've still got a few missing. So uh, it'll be nice for people to get in touch with us and nominate their unsung heroes. Excellent stuff. James, thank you very much for your time uh, again this week. And um, we, you know, as, as, as even though we've got no football to talk about, we still find a way um, to celebrate what's best about the Toolstation Western League. And we will be doing that again next week on the Toolstation Western League podcast.